Welcome back to Scouring the Depths, the show where we delve deep into the dark, endless, irredeemable chasm known as heavy music. My name is Joseph. And I'm Nathan. We are your hosts. And this episode, we begin a new mini-series. It is the second time that we are doing a Deep Dives mini-series, specifically talking about the discography of one of our favorite bands, mm-hmm. this time being <clears throat> the great doom metal act from Little Rock, Arkansas. Not too far away from us. Yeah. Fun fact. But who knows which direction we're talking about. Yeah. But, yeah. Talking about Paul Bearer, of course. Not the Undertaker's manager. I know a lot of people <laughs> are thinking that, that I was... <laughs> They're going to go with Paul Bearer, you know, like, oh, you mean the guy from <clears throat> WWF? You know, the guy who brought the dead man in the urn? Yeah. The guy that, <clears throat> like, I'm sure everyone wants us to do impressions of right now, but we're not going to because... I'm too scared. Yeah. To get sued. Right. But also, yeah. But it, it's, it's a band from Arkansas. It's a different, it's a different thing. Mm-hmm. We love them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, we... I think we originally talked about covering some sort of doom metal related topic for this month. Yeah. And this is kind of what we landed on because uh, I think we wanted to kind of do something that was a little bit more familiar to us, but also just more specific too. Yeah. Cause we were pretty, we were, we were definitely brainstorming a lot of ideas, which we definitely will return to yeah. at some point. Um, but uh, yeah, we, we, we settled on Paul bearer because it's familiar, but also at the same time, I think I think this year they might have something coming out most likely. Yeah, I think um I remember it was rumored that they were supposed to put out an album last year, so I think this year makes a lot of sense for them to release some new stuff. Yeah, the new record. Um but yeah, plus it's been a while since we've done one of these series talking about like a just a band's complete discography. Yeah. Last time we did was Baroness. Um which was a lot of fun. That yes. Was, that was a lot of fun going through their discography and uh, exploring each of their albums and some of their EPs. And um, I know this go around, we're not going to cover the demo, but mm-hmm. we're going to cover, I think next go around, I'd like to cover the EP between um, these first two albums we talk about. And then the, the, you know, the yeah. last two. Yeah, for sure. So, but yeah, so we're going to be covering their full discography. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. This episode, we're going to be talking about their first two records, Sorrow and Extinction and Foundations of Burden. And then in a couple weeks, we'll be wrapping things up with Heartless and Forgotten Days. Um, I feel like this is kind of an interesting way to kind of divide this up because I feel like we're talking about the two more beloved albums up front. Right. And then it'll be interesting to kind of look back on their later albums that kind of feel like they're sort of trying some new stuff within yeah. their, their sound to kind of go back and like reevaluate them in a way. Yeah, I, I feel like... Um, See how they hold up. Yeah, we'll get back to kind of... I feel like a lot of this is going to have a discussion about like the identity of Paul Bearer and kind of how they're discovering themselves throughout each album. Yeah. So... <clears throat> For sure. Well, 
you want to talk about a little bit before we jump into this? Um, I, I, I kind of thought about just thinking about the time we went and saw them um, locally. Um, yeah. How it was a good show, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it was definitely there's a lot of a lot of issues. Yeah, it's kind of a weird mm. live experience, which are very rare, thankfully. But yeah, thankfully. Yeah, there's some issues with sound. Um, it, it was just, I yeah. mean, it also, it seemed to um, quite irritate them. Yeah. Um, but also at the same time, um, I don't know, I feel like they were put in the wrong spot. Mm-hmm. Um, because <clears throat> if anyone's familiar with this venue we're talking about, there's two locations where you could be, pretty much. Yeah, there's a bigger stage on Upstairs. the upper level, and <clears throat> then there's a smaller stage at the bottom which it made no sense to me that they were on the bottom yeah i don't know i don't remember exactly if there was supposed to be some other event on the upper level or some other show or what but yeah is strange yeah but um i mean i i am glad that i was able to see them live um yeah i do wish it was a different circumstance Mm-hmm. Uh, and honestly, I I do look forward to watching them again live um, in the future. Honestly, and yeah. hopefully in a in a, a location in a in a venue that actually is more conducive to their sound, and then also goes smoothly for them. So yeah, I remember mm-hmm. I've saw I've seen them one other time before that, and it was when they were touring off of Heartless, the uh, summer of 2017. They brought along Inter Arma and Gate Creeper. Damn, and that was that was a great show. Yeah. And they, they were awesome. Yeah. So jealous of that. Yeah. Great lineup. And it was at a, a venue that we have been to before that we really liked that is no longer open. Yeah. Sad. RIP. Yeah. Bring it back. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah, I feel like there's just not enough of the small clubs anymore. No. I mean, obviously, going back to what I was saying with the smaller stage for this one that I was saying earlier was not conducive to them, but I think the the stage upstairs also is like small enough to yeah, be fine. It's not like a huge, not a huge place. Yeah, but it's definitely. I feel like it's more ideal. It makes more sense. Yeah, for them to be up there, but and it's not the first time that I've seen bands play in that smaller area that have had issues so oh yeah 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 but that place is actually kind of going away i think yeah so it's a bummer it's a weird time for live music right now especially you know we don't really live in like a like a big major city no it's kind of occasional when we get like bigger bands we have some we have some good local bands here and yeah. they're mostly in the metal core to hardcore variety. Yeah. I would it's a good say. hardcore scene. Yeah. But you know, it's, it's definitely the venues are the, the hard part, I think. Yeah. Um, and definitely. also just the attraction of how many people are going to go to these shows, you know? Yeah. I feel like the music scenes in bigger cities are still alive and well, but for the kind of mid sized cities and like, it's a, kind of a struggle but right but anyway we're we're gonna focus on uh you know some good stuff and we're gonna talk about uh these first two albums from paul bearer yeah uh we're gonna start off with sorrow and extinction of course this was released by profound lore records february 21st 2012 so almost 
that was our like our one of our favorite years. I mean, that was our our year that we kind of jumped into metal more officially. I feel. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We actually did. Uh, if you're curious about going all the way back to the beginning of this show, we the first mini series we ever did was we talked about our favorite albums from 2012 and definitely brought this one up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, it was just another really strong release that I think just, uh, just interesting timing considering everything else that, you know, kind of applied to, for me, like where my musical tastes were kind of growing to. Yeah. I, I feel like, around this time I remember them, but I don't think I was super hooked yeah. at the point. I think it wasn't until the second album that we'll talk about later yeah. that it really clicked with me. That, yeah. Um, and then I went back, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Um, Sorrow and extinction follows the 2010 demo, which Nate already brought up, um, which I believe that was released on 20 bucks spin. Um, but yeah, this album came out, and uh, for it being a debut full length, it got quite a bit of acclaim and a lot of traction within the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, it made Pitchfork's best new music, which is it's quite a, a milestone yeah. for a metal band to you know, get that level of acclaim on a site like Pitchfork that covers mainly you know, indie rock, indie alt rock. rock. And, yeah, that yeah. sort of thing. Or the indie scene in general. Yeah. And yeah, it just got featured on a ton of best of albums of the year lists. Um, fast forward a few years later, I'm pretty sure it was really high on Decibel's top 100 of the decade list. So yeah, this album definitely made a huge impact. Um, and it's interesting going back to it, especially after you know the band's been around for as long as they have to kind of. Right look back on this album and think a bit about it within the context of their later work. Um, but yeah, what's really struck out to me is just like the rawness of this album. Yeah. Just like the, just absolute, like the heft of it, like the production is definitely a lot less polished. Um, the guitars, you know, doom so yeah, obviously so it's, it's down tuned quite yeah, a bit very very loud and uh overwhelming but yeah on moments where they pick things up on this album and they kind of speed things up just a little bit between like the kind of droning passages like it's just like it really like almost, wakes you up yeah yeah with how <laughs> with how heavy it gets at times and it's just like man it's like it feels like few few albums just like have that punch to them. I think it's just very engaging. Like I think that's what kind of reads at least from my, you know, repeated viewings and our listenings to, you know, this. Um I, I, I see that too. Like that that punch comes yeah. out of nowhere. But I think it's because and that makes it that engaging because you are going through those droning moments. Um, where there might be a passage for a couple minutes that mm-hmm. um, kind of leads up to a spot, and then just all of a sudden, you're like, oh yeah, well let's just turn it up to eleven, <laughs> right? Yeah, I think going from like you know the opening song "Foreigner," which is 
the longest track on the album. Right. Great, great opener. Yeah. Great acoustic at the beginning. Yeah, definitely. It sets the tone for sure. Um, going from that to Devoid of Redemption afterwards, which is, it might still be their heaviest song that they've done. Yeah, it's up there. Um, yeah, just the... Mm. This is ridiculous. Mean. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I really appreciate that for a, a Doom album, um, I feel like a lot of the time, you know, like a band will just kind of stick to one side of that coin. They'll either be like very slow, very somber, uh, downbeat in that way, or they'll just kind of be like, you know, more of like the stoner, like good time riffs <laughs> variety. Yeah. And I feel like this has like the structure of the former and then the heaviness of the latter. Yeah, um, there's definitely, I mean, it's pretty apparent, but it's, there's very heavy Sabbath worship. Yeah. Um, but in the best way possible. And um, I think it combines that with that, you know, like that doom metal, that stoner rock yeah. uh, that you're you're talking about mm-hmm. uh, in a very unique way. Yeah. Like, I don't think I could picture a band that's like them. Right. I think that's why they really stood out at the time, too, because, you know, you're coming into the early 2010s and around that time was when bands like Mastodon and Baroness and like High on Fire were big. And so to kind of have like a doom band come out and kind of return to basics while also still, you know, having those like really heavy, like headbangable moments, I think is like really is what grabbed a lot of people's attention with this record. Yeah. And I think those, those traditional vocals, I think are the thing that maybe initially turned me off when I was first listening to them. Like I was saying, it really didn't click tell, um, you know, foundations of burden mm-hmm. for me for this band, because I don't think at the time, I, I mean, I was on, you know, Macedon's Baroness's radar, Yeah, but you know, those, those clean, more clean vocals and more traditional heavy metal, type vocals weren't something that I was into. Yeah. But it, you know, going back to this, hearing it again and again, mm-hmm. it's just one of those things where it just, it makes complete sense. Right. And it, it honestly, it's a natural compliment. Yeah. And, um, it honestly makes that, that, like I said, that engaging listen, because you, you honestly can, uh, you know, listen along to it and, be shocked at the the um you know the the dialing of 11s but also you know um follow it along really really easily yeah makes it, it an easy listening right experience and it yeah i think it balances kind of the emotional weight that you would expect with a you know a doom album with like 12 minute epic songs about grief and those yeah, there's like dark feelings or something. There's yeah. like there's there's feelings of like I mean, it's definitely sad. Right. <laughs> but I feel like there's almost like moments of like happiness. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, like triumph, resilience. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that would come into play even more on their their following releases too. Right. Um but before we go any further, I wanted to do a rundown of the members of the band at the yeah. time. Uh, we have Brett Campbell on vocals and guitar, Devin Holt on guitar, Joseph Rowland on bass, and Zach Stein on drums. 
uh, Brett and Joseph were kind of the two that really formed the band. Um, they were in a band together before that. Yeah. In, in college. Yeah. Which was called Sports. Heck yeah. We love sports. Hey, we do. We actually have turned that corner a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Typical. Typical boys. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think, uh, especially on this album, I think Brett on vocals was kind of beginning to come into his own. This definitely feels more like this is the most that he sounds like Ozzy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think after this album, I feel like he would kind of develop his own sound and style. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that honestly just kind of sim- is a, is sort of symbolic for just where the band started from and like how they would grow from here. It's sort of like that blending of tradition and the current sound. And then they would just go on to just completely do their own thing and reinvent what we know doom metal to be. Yeah. No, I, I feel like this is a, I feel like this is a turning point. Cause I, I know we've mentioned like high on fire in the past and, and Macedon and, um, in sleep, obviously. So there, there has been moments I feel like, um, like turning points for the doom metal genre as a, as a, you know, like a subgenre. Yeah. Um and I electric feel like wizard was another Yeah, electric wizard. Yeah. I feel like this is one of those moments mm-hmm. where you know this album in particular really solidified that that the early 2010s yeah like that sound yeah where it really started picking up more. Yeah, for sure. I feel like I feel like they <laughs> kind of began like sort of a moment in doom metal that kind of gave way to bands like Chemis. Right, exactly. Who emerged like right around the same time a little after um or which, even like elder right yeah you know those are bands that i'm thinking of when you know i, I, I listen to paul bearers like i also want to listen to these guys mm-hmm. so yeah uh what's your favorite track on sorrow and extinction i mean it's hard to beat that second one um it is it's hard to beat devoid of redemption yeah. um i mean it's honestly those first two might be my two favorites but i mean given to the grave those it, those are probably my top three. Yeah, I think the middle passages are great, mm-hmm. but I don't think they hit me as much as um, the the first two and the and the last. What about you? Yeah, it's I can definitely agree with you on that. I mean, Devoid of Redemption is just like phenomenal, but I will say I think an offering of grief is great for mainly. I think the vocals on that song are like the best True. on the album, in my opinion. But uh, there's most I think the most experimentation was happening in that track. Yeah. So and I think the legend <clears throat> is probably that one feels like the most Sabbath, Sabbathy, Sabbathian, Sabbathian, Sabbathian. That's our, that's our next like band. Lynchian or Hitchcockian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some we made up. Yeah. We're scholars, right? <laughs> Gentlemen and scholars. I did want to mention um, this album artwork. This album artwork is absolutely stunning. Yeah. It's one of my favorite album covers, like probably of all time. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I have this on, on vinyl. Um, I do too. It's just a beautiful purple, like a kind of a dark Royal 
purple, almost black, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, with that gold lettering and that's kind of a traditional kind of looking, um, and a very, I don't know, I think they use space very, very well and it's very balanced. And then you have this really kaleidoscopic kind of cosmic yeah. reaper into the, like this, you know, abandoned ship. That's, um, there's so many things going on <laughs> yeah. in it. Um, honestly, you could just get lost looking at it, you know, and listening to this. Right. But I mean, like kudos to, you know, the, I, I don't have it in front of me, but, um, Oh, Sean Reynolds, Williams, Sean, Sean really Reynolds. Williams is the one who did the artwork, um, on this, but man, like this is one of my favorite album coverage probably of all time. Sweet. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. <clears throat> um, the cover for this and foundations, I think both utilize space really well. Yeah. Like they have like a, you know, I like, like the a, cropping. Yeah. Like a portion of the frame that's like kind of off center is just like has so much going on. Meanwhile, there's all this space um, is really interesting and it definitely kind of has that classic feel to it. Um, so yeah, from there, do you feel like we're ready to move on into foundations? Yeah, um, I was just going to say just uh, one more big shout out to Sorrow and Extinction. I, I think mm-hmm. this is probably one of the greatest debut records probably um, that we've ever talked about, probably. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, in the past, you know, like from the last decade, definitely from the last 15 years, you could say like, yeah, I mean, both of these albums didn't, they haven't. I mean, Foundations is 10 years old and then Sorrow and Extinction's 12 years old this mm-hmm. year. But you, and even though they're that recent, like you gotta, you gotta call them classics at this point just because. Yeah. 10 years for me is a perfect example of like anything that point and beyond is classic. Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, this band has only put out four full lengths, but they already, just because of how strong these two are, they've, pretty much already cemented themselves as like legends of this genre and like a memorable act in the history of doom. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sorrow and extinction. A fantastic record. If you haven't heard it, I, I don't know what, why you're listening to this. Cause you, you'd be like, wait a minute. I should yeah. probably listen to this before I, you know, I forgot to do your homework. Yeah. Well, you, uh, I guess jump into, um, Foundations of Burden. Yep, Foundations of Burden uh, released on Profound Lore Records as well. Um, August 19th, 2014. Um, Let's see, the lineup. The lineup changed a little bit, I believe. Just the drummer. Yeah. Um, Because I think that's the only members, the only members that have changed are the drummers. Yeah. Um, Mark Lyerly is on drums on this record. Um, and it's produced by Billy Anderson. I want to see if he produced Sorrow. 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 Sorrow of Extinction. Sound like You sound like Goofy. Sorrow <laughs> of Extinction. Yuck. Well, I am Goofy. It's true. Um, I don't know if it's out there. I'm sure you can find it, but 
Um, yeah. Who produced this thing? Well, in the meantime, I'll, I'll mention that, um, you know, I, I was, as I was saying earlier, this is kind of the record that got me really interested in Paul Bearer. I think this is the, the turning point for me. Because I remember I was at the record store where I was working. Um, and I remember several other, you know, coworkers of mine who they like some metal, but they don't like love metal, you know, like, like I do. Um, but they were very much like yeah, that first Paul Bearer record is incredible. So we really want to hear the second Paul Bearer record. And I was really curious about it. And so I remember when um, the the first track um, got, you know, uh, issued, The Ghost I Used to Be, um, NPR put it up. And man, I, I do remember, like, we played it a lot, um, even before, like, the album eventually came out. But I remember kind of discovering them there. And then I'm like, okay, I, I need to pre-order the album myself. <laughs> And I need to get Sorrow and Extinction because uh, that's that's how my trajectory with this band kind of like really solidified yeah. when this was coming out. And I remember that time very fondly. Um, and um, I was just was kind of blown away by how much, you know, that 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 dial had been turned up. Um, you know, we're going to get into it. But um, yeah, I was just really impressed by them. Yeah. Um... Uh, Sorrow and Extinction was produced by Chuck Schaefe. So different producer. And I think it definitely shows just on the production on this album being still raw, still heavy when it needs to be, but it just tweaked just a little bit in how polished it is. Definitely feels just a little. It feels definitely feels more uh, organic. Yeah. Almost feels more. When I say that, I mean like, cohesive organic like they i feel like they maybe maybe what's the word is um matured a little bit more yeah into themselves right yeah the previous album definitely feels more like a we're just gonna get in this room we're gonna bang these songs out and just hit record yeah (laughs) which which is awesome yeah yeah that's the kind of spirit that debut albums are are great for you know, but um, yeah, I've I first this is also my uh, introduction to the band. Um, I first listened to it because it was, you know, around the time it came out, I was starting to get more into metal beyond like hardcore and stuff. And uh, this album is obviously getting talked about a lot. Again, very highly acclaimed. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> on a lot of end of year lists, which I remember at that time was like my primary resource for finding out about, uh, you know, bands to check out. Same. (laughs) Because, you know, whenever you get into something new or like some new interest, it's always kind of fun to look at that and just be like, man, I've never even heard of any of these. So it's like kind of fun to, yeah. It's like dig into it. Mostly reading Decibel or Metal Hammer at yeah. this time. That's that's what I was doing and trying to <laughs> discover these. Like I've never heard this, and I would maybe pull up a track or something on YouTube, and mm-hmm. then I'd be or Bandcamp, and then I would be like, "Well, I like this, or I like I don't like the sound of this, so I'm a little stop where I'm ahead." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <clears throat> when I first checked out Foundations <clears throat> of Burden, I 
at first it was definitely not i felt like it was not my thing just because it was just unlike anything i was used to listening to at the time so mm-hmm. it was just like hmm, may not be be ready for this right now but then once i did finally you know have some patience and actually give it the time that it deserved i definitely like grew to really love it um and then of course i would go back and listen to sorrow but uh yeah this album definitely is a big part of what got me into this style of music like doom i mean metal like heavy metal the traditional heavy metal um a lot of that can be traced back to like me being exposed to this album and uh kind of that you know that marriage of like classic heavy metal type sounds with like heaviness of uh like the current era but um yeah just listening back to this album again um it's just like (laughs) going through all of these songs it's like it's just one of those albums that like track by track it just continues to top itself yeah exactly (laughs) that's how i feel about it too yeah although worlds apart that that title that that first track Mm -hmm. it's kind of hard to beat that but i i know what you mean though when it came to keep upping itself every track yeah also the riffs on here just seem a little bit catchier too oh geez they stick in your head yeah i think there's a scary man outside yeah just riding his bike but anyway um speaking of catchy but yeah we're gonna think about that later tonight uh but yeah these these um yeah these riffs are like yeah super like melodic but like and catchy and yeah they're just tasty yeah i mean worlds apart and then you got foundations the yeah it's just they've definitely as you said matured and like expanded their songwriting capabilities into yeah it's making an album that just feels more whatever the word is organic more more paul bear infectious yeah 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 um but they also still hold on to those really dark depressing moments as well like watcher in the dark the way that that song kind of begins yeah it's very somber um it's also well it's the second longest track on there the closer vanished i was was gonna say vanished also feels very dark yeah the beginning of it with the sort of like vocals that sound like very ghost like with kind of the echo effect that they got going on it's very very chilling very uh yeah it's weird i mean thinking about that feeling of haunted um it's interesting because i feel like if we're we're looking at this album i feel like there's more you know i guess is the maybe the right (laughs) adjective to it um definitely has a lot more energy but at the same time also feels more dour uh, in parts, which is uh, odd because I feel like if you're looking back at sorrow, you're, you're looking at something where it's, I feel like it's trying to be 
more, and that's, I mean, literally what the name suggests, sorrow in extinction. It's very dour in yeah. general. But this one feels, because of that infectious, I think, you know, like riffs and, and catchiness to it, I feel like this one is maybe more balanced in yeah. a way. Yeah, I agree. And in, in, in the way it's, it's like it's, it's very heavy in terms of, you know, the music and the, you know, the message, but also it's, it's also like very triumphant. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Um, right. Like it definitely has more of those like, you know, fist in the air moments, but it also, it'll have moments that just like really like make you think on a deep kind of sad level. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think, you know, the first album definitely deals with grief and like loss in a more head on sort of way. I think this one definitely has a lot of the same the same themes, but deals with them in a more like almost realistic way, like juxtaposing hope and, you know, carrying on while also just like, you know, ruminating about how like all we can do is continue and like no matter how much things weigh on us, we'll never be free of them is kind of what I, how, what I think about when I, when I listen to this record. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I feel like oppressive, but also at the same time that that hope is there right. as well, but it, it's that balance that matters. Yeah. yeah. And that <clears throat> feels like a lot more real, a lot more honest, a lot more complicated which I definitely appreciate. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Ghost I used to be is a uh, is I think that has to be my my number one. If I, I had mean, to, if I have to choose a favorite song, it's catchy as hell. Yeah. So I mean that was the track I mentioned that NPR. I mean that was the the you know the single, but um, excellently chose to uh, single. Um, yeah, it's either that or. Honestly, worlds apart. I mean, either that. I mean, Foundations is up there too. Mm-hmm. I really like the riffs and Foundations. Like, <laughs> there's definitely just. I've noticed, especially it's it's odd because I I have spouts where I don't listen to Paul Bear. You know, like as most bands. You know, I listen and I don't listen to yeah. several bands all the time. But anytime I ever come back to Paul Bear, and I put this album on. The amount of times I just like put like a like I have a stupid like shit eating grin on my face when like something nasty comes around mm-hmm. in terms of like I did not expect that riff to come out yeah. of that like build up. Um, that's that's a sign of something really strong. Yeah. Um, I I know it might be early to say, but I think I might like this more than the debut. I think this might be my favorite Paul Bearer record. I agree. <clears throat> um. It's between this one and one other one, but we'll hold that. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how things line up at the end. <clears throat> yeah, because we'll we'll rank all four of the albums and yeah, scratch what I said. You don't know what I what I like. I yeah. Maybe I haven't heard the other two ones. Oh. Of course I have. But wink, <laughs> wink. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. Another interesting. Uh, <laughs> something new that they try on this album is a uh, song ashes, which is 
sort of like an interlude you could kind of say it's like a ballad because it's just you know it's a lot shorter than their other songs and it's all clean vocals and synths mm-hmm. which is very it's a very very nice little uh you know sort of prelude into the final track yeah um yeah it's really well done and a good change of pace it's interesting going from you know a band that has consistently put out eight to ten minutes twelve minute songs and uh then you see a three minute song like, oh. just thrown in there you're like wait what yeah because <laughs> you know i mean i don't think we mentioned it but the the first album has five tracks and yeah. this album has six and technically that six that you know that that fifth song is that three minute song so uh which is great though yeah. um i think yeah it, it flows the other thing too i don't think we mentioned uh these flow incredibly well they do like, and i think foundations doubles down on that yeah that flow yeah because they i think they you know they shift the pace more on this album compared to the debut um i feel like that was more of a collection of what they were like songs where like like hey we have these ideas let's put this together and like let's make an album yeah and this one feels more cohesive right and balanced as you said before too um but yeah, but aside from Ashes, the shortest song that they had done up till that point was Devoid of Redemption, and that was eight minutes. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But they would go on to write shorter songs. Yeah. Afterwards, but yeah, but but these first two, you know, especially this time period for them, I mean, they were known for, you know, those eight plus minute songs. Yeah. Um, and I mean. I mean, that's the other thing, too, I, I think I love so much about both of these records is that they are that like, yes, they are long songs, but they're so engaging. They are so alive. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you know, there's a lot of dread in it, as we've you know discussed. Yeah. But I don't know. It's it's just one of those, you know, um, special bands where you, you really do feel like, you know, the energy alongside it. Um, it's pretty infectious yeah you never feel like they lag much at all you know Mm. like the second you feel like things are like something's gone on for too long they'll they'll change it up or they'll bring in some other element to it you know um so yeah i feel like that's that's what you want Mm -hmm. from that sort of thing yeah well, any final thoughts on uh, just looking at uh, both these albums? Yeah, um, I I completely understand why both of these are so highly regarded, and they still hold up extremely well. Of course, because they're not even that old at all. No, but, <laughs> surprisingly, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Foundations. It's, you know, it's up there as like just a favorite period for me. Um, I do love both albums, but I think of the two, I think that's the direction I would lean more towards. Yeah. But Sorrow and Extinction is, like you said, just a perfect debut. Um, Makes exactly the impression that a debut album should make. Um, Yeah, like... Just starting off with these two records, I feel like that's as great of a run as you could hope for as a band, <laughs> like yeah, kind of breaking into the scene. Um, 
so yeah, it'll be extremely interesting to talk about their two following records after this. Yeah, which you know I, I had alluded earlier that I I would like to cover that EP in between. Yeah, because I do feel like that was a really good indication of kind of what they were going to go to next. Um, they did some really great covers. In fact, it's I mean I think it might be one of my favorite covers of all time, a typo negative song. Um, yeah, that, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to talk about that next week. Yeah, that's the fear, fear and uh, fury EP yeah. from 2016. Yeah, it's it's a great one. Um, so I'm excited to talk about that before we talk about Heartless. Yeah, which is their third record. Yeah, so we will discuss that EP, Fear and Fury, and then Heartless. And then their most recent album, Forgotten Days, on in a fortnight. Soon. Yeah. Well, you know where to follow us, right? Uh, you'll go over to uh, at Scouring Pod on Instagram. Um, I know there's some other social media platforms that are kind of starting up, like threads or blue sky i don't know we might end up on there at some point but we'll see this is news to me but <laughs> here but here you gotta lock in dude. dude i here's the thing i i am so devoid of of sorrow and extinction and <laughs> i'm kidding you're devoid of redemption is what I, yeah is yeah. what you mean yeah i mean that just goes to show that you don't spend that much time on your phone which is thank good. goodness it's good well, it's not something that a lot of people can say. Yeah. Well, it's uh, well. The other thing is my my job. I'm I am on my phone, just talking on the phone. Yeah, just chit chatting away. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, we'll we'll be on possibly new platforms. Yeah, we'll think about it. We'll think about, <laughs> we'll think about it. Uh, Instagram is is perfectly fine. It's perfectly fine. I li- I like I like Instagram. Yeah. So. Yeah, follow us there, and um, I would love to hear other people's thoughts on on Paul Bear. At least you know the the, this introduction to um, uh, people and like where they're at uh, at this time. I I would love to kind of hear any any stories similar to ours, where you know maybe we're hesitant um, at first, or maybe maybe it caught immediately when you listen to it. Yeah, Um, would love to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, for sure. Definitely would like to know what your favorite album of theirs is. Because, um, I don't know, I feel like it's probably a little lopsided. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. I'd be I'd be very interested to know uh, what you all think. Yeah. So, until next time. Yeah. We will continue this journey to our doom. <laughs> Bow, 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 bow.